You're listening to When the Night Comes, a collection of sounds and stories from unsigned Birmingham bands between 1985 and 2005. Musicians go back in time, dusting off old demo tapes and sharing some of the tracks they wrote in bedrooms, garages and studios across the city. My name is Dean Bernals. Series 1, Episode 7 of the podcast covers the work of the Laurels, and I'll be in conversation with Mark Butler and John Bonehill, who both played guitar and shared vocal duties in the band. Formed around 1986, they were a four-piece, and as well as Mark and John, the core lineup featured Trevor Walsh on bass and Vincent O'Hallahan on drums. They played a number of gigs around Birmingham in their time together, as well as recording a selection of demo tracks. So... Let's hear their story. John, Mark, great to have you on episode seven of the podcast. Great to be here. Fantastic. Now, I must say, I'm absolutely delighted to be featuring the Laurels. It's taken uh, me quite a while to track you down, actually. But thanks to the Birmingham Music Archive Facebook page, here we are. Um, unfortunately, I only got to see you live once at the Hare and Hounds, but I've carried uh, an old cassette with your, your demos around for years. Never lost it, despite various house moves. And uh, I digitised it during the first lockdown. And uh, the tracks are sounding okay, despite the age of the tape. Um, now, interestingly, like a number of bands you guys were influenced by, you, you shared vocal duties, and so we'll be hearing tracks written and sung by both of you today. Uh, so let, let's travel back to 1986, the year the band were formed. Um, what factors uh, led the two of you to, to get together as, as writers, John? Gosh, accident, I think. I was in a band with people at school and um, I remember that we played a gig at Peacock's, if people remember that. Is that Needless Alley? Yes, yes, it was, was, yeah, yeah. And uh, Mark came to see us there. I think he liked similar kind of music. I'd met Mark once before at at some, when we both answered um, someone's ad to join a band. Uh, that didn't work out, but Mark came up to us and we sort of hit it off from there, really. And um, I think initially we got together with the band in the old format, the kids I was at school with, and we just jammed things. And then eventually it just came down to just me and Mark and sitting down and trying to write some songs in his bedroom. It'd be a Saturday usually, I think, Mark, and yeah. I'd get on the number 11. <laughs> yeah. That's and come over to Yardley to your mum yeah. and dad's. Yeah. I remember your mum uh, making me these huge doorstep sandwiches <laughs> yeah. for lunch. And she, thought, she, she thought you was a bit on the skinny side, to be honest. I think that was right. Yeah, I needed feeding up. Yeah. <laughs> Did you remember it the same way, Mark? Yeah, exactly the same way. I saw I saw them at the at Peacocks with um, Fintan was in the band, who was in the, the the laurels as well and I remember them doing a, a, a an undertone song at the end listening in and I thought wow you know <laughs> that's good enough for me I just like the, the approach they had that kind of shambling kind of sort of you know looseness and and John was a little bit different guitarist he was he was kind of doing riffs and stuff as opposed to just straight chords and solos which a lot of guitarists do it's sort of breaking up the guitar bits which um little bits of the four were in there and the bits you know and i like that kind of stuff it was a uh, some of it was like sort of off the wall and um you know my thing really so it worked well so did you have your own sort of rehearsal space to develop initially actually i mean mark remembers this really well i think um the first gig we played was just the two of us so probably even before we had rehearsal space or anything it was a weird gig. It was a, like a wine bar or something. Really <laughs> uh, strange. Yeah, uh, quite, um, where was it? Yeah, it was on Corporation Street, yeah. Yeah, there was a friend of mine in a band, Robert Brain, in a band called Spellbinders yeah. from school, from, from my school. And he was like, oh, you gotta, you come and play with us. Get You know, start gigging, man. Just get out there and play. So I was like, yeah, well, we got a set together. And I remember the first set we did, we, the first gig we did, we did a television song, didn't we, John? We did, remember we, we played Days? We did play Days. We yeah. did. We did. We did that. Well remembered. Yeah. See, I remember that. And uh, and I think we did, you know, some original. We did Hidden Kind, I think. Yeah, we did Hidden Kind. We did about five or six songs, I think. 
And we did a, we did a song, I don't know if you'll remember it, called On the Stairs and on the Roof. Oh, my God, yeah, yeah. I do remember that title. Yeah. Was that an original, John? That was an original, yeah. That was one of ours, one of our earliest songs, I think. So how did you go about sort of taking those uh, those songs to the band and getting, you know, working with the band to sort of shape shape up what became the sound of the laurels? Initially, um, initially we found a drummer. It was an old schoolmate of Finton's called yeah. Barry, uh, who was um, an interesting guy, interesting character. He was a lovely, lovely guy. Uh, never played the song the same way twice, which I could, um, which these days I might appreciate, but at the time was a bit of, um, was, was, was challenging. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we might, I think we just, I think we might have even done gigs in that lineup. And, uh, but from there, I don't know, somehow we made the transition. Trevor joined and Trevor introduced a kind of level of, um, I hesitate to use the word professionalism. <laughs> yeah, well, he, he, he knew how to tune up and everything, didn't he? By the he did. Time, <laughs> he used to say, are you in tune, John? He used to actually insist we'd be in tune, you know, it's quite, quite a shock system. <laughs> <laughs> and then Vincent joined, and then so we actually had a, we had a rhythm section who could actually really play. Yeah, and kept time immaculately, and were really imaginative. Yeah. And Mark and I took our, you know, our songs, and they actually managed to turn them into something. Yeah, I think I think the the the, the, the basics how we worked, Dean, was like John would work out a song, and then would say, "Look, let me do the chords, John. I'll do the chords. It's you know, it's four chords or five chords or." Blah blah blah, and then John will put put the fiddly bits in between the little licks, you know, the little nuances, and then add a few more chords as well. So we powered up on the chords when it needed to be, and we tried to get, we tried to let Trev have a free roll on the bass because um, he, he liked to play quite a bit, didn't he, John? So that was a challenge because he was he wouldn't just play root notes; he liked to play like lots of runs. So we like to keep, try and keep create the space really. Yeah, um, yeah. to get his bass playing to stand out <laughs> but, um, except when he started to do the jazz funk stuff he was a bit mm, that's a bit like <laughs> that was a bit weird <laughs> I think I think that's a really that's a really interesting good point you know that actually I think what you eventually do is you start writing songs with certain players in mind yeah yeah, yeah you do and so um, to a certain extent the, the songs ended up the way they were because of we had Trevor and Finton in mind, maybe. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was a very much a collective. The 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 yeah. laurels. It was, we all we pulled out individually. We 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 wouldn't be been able to function. Sort of, you know, we we knew people's strengths and like, you know, I used to be cool at the melodies, and I used to have lots of melodies. And John loved the lyric writing then. He had loads of lyrics. So it was like a jigsaw puzzle. Try these lyrics to this melody, you know. Oh, that works, you know what I mean? And then it was um, Finton and Trevor would just vibe off the melodies, you know what I mean? They'd just find the, find the groove sort of thing. And then we think, hey, this is pretty good. When we did Do You Believe In Me, we knew it was a, a good song because we, we had good lyrics and they had a great melody and a great riff and everything. But the little... The little drum parts, you know what I mean? A little yeah. shuffle that Finton put in, and you know, I remember he did that sort of Dexys Midnight Runners thing at the, that I even one of their songs. He, put, he, he sort of robbed that, you know, that sort of drum thing. And Trevor was just, he's great, you know what I mean? He just play all, all over the scales and that, and find little melodies and stuff. And you could just drop, drop it out because the bass would just be really good. And he had really good equipment, didn't he, John? He had like a top of the range bass or something and a, and a Trace Elliott amp or something. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> His gear was like, it was just boss. That song's a good example of um, that kind of jigsaw-like approach that Mark said. And yeah. Us working, you know, a song out in uh, together. Yeah, that it's, yeah. You know, the chords and the melody were Marks. I remember working out the opening guitar riff with him together. Like I would play one little phrase and Mark would then say, no, it needs to go there next. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it was really, you know, like 
facing each other head to head, working it out like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, interesting. You, you, you're talking about the other two musicians, like all good bands, really. Everybody contributes to the overall sound, don't they? People buy into sounds of bands just as much as they do, um, you know, the well, songs as well, don't they? It's interesting. Later on, towards the end of the band, um, when we lost Trevor, so we only really lost one member, really. But a new bass player came, and that the band was completely different after that. Yeah, the yeah, sound yeah. and everything just changed. We had to drop lots of the material uh, that we had. Things like Do You Believe In Me we couldn't play anymore. Right, uh, interesting. Watershed, we certainly couldn't have played that. So you're, you're right, you know, it's, it's about uh, the kind of uh, chemistry, as it were, of particular individuals. Yeah, I saw a post on the Birmingham Music Archive uh, website that described you. Actually, on the, it was on their Facebook page that described you as Brum's uh, go-between slash television, which is high praise indeed, really. But how, Mark, how would you have described yourselves uh, back in the day? Brum's go-betweens was fine by me. Uh, we, we used to like a band called the, the Servants as well, who was well into them. Um, and those and were the, the two stars of heaven. I love the Oh, yeah. And then we started getting into Then we go to the stars of heaven who were like, they were fantastic. They were Irish band. And they was like, they, they, they were sort of, they was doing melodies and stuff, you know. They were, they were a really good band. Um, and we sort of got into them. Um, but we was always trying to, all the, all the major stuff, uh, we, you know, where we was going out socialising, um, everybody was into the, the, the main indie stuff, like the Primal Screams and all the other stuff, Stone Roses, and me and John weren't really into that, was we, John? We liked, we yeah. listened to it, but we was more into the stuff like the go-betweens and, you know. And I I, I think I always liked older stuff as well. I always liked, you know, the classic. Um, I think we both liked the Stones, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he we did. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I like the yeah. birds and, and Dylan and all, all the usual stuff, really. I think that's what I, I'd been listening to, and I think that's always there. I noticed li- listening back after all these years, for instance, to the song, everyone seems to have a little uh, Dylan-like reference in it somewhere okay. along the line. That's interesting. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. We just like people who write good songs, I think. Yeah, we was more into songwriters than the musicians. Songwriting is quite a personal thing, isn't it? And uh, you know, obviously, because there, there were two writers in the band and um, two singers. Um, was there any sort of competition to to write the best songs? Do you think? Nah, I don't think so. I think I do. I really think that they. they I always thought of them as things we did together. Yeah. In one, you know, there might be songs where one of us wrote more than the other. Yeah. But in one way or another, they were, I think they were always collaborative. Yeah. And, yeah, um, and the best ones were always the ones that were the ones that we'd done together, I think. Yeah, we, ne- we, never, we never saw a song as like, this is my song, your song, or even if I, I sang it or John sang it. We just thought, is this song good enough, John? Are you feeling this song? Is this going somewhere? Does this make you smile? Uh, yeah. And we'd say, yeah, yeah, that's that's. It's, this is this in the bad little tune. If we would have got, got anything, I'm sure we, we would have had to sort Trevor and um, Finton out on the songwriting splits. We, you know what I mean? We would have had to give them a little <laughs> share because I don't think because they would just say, "Look, we're the best musicians." You know what I mean? Say, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? We never got to that point. But um, me and John were happy to do the songwriting because we kind of enjoyed it. it was on the journey because when you write a song and you you get a bit of a feedback from it, and you think, "Hang on." People actually like this song. It, it it makes you want to write another one. Yeah, you know, you think, well, you know, let's let's try and write another song. Go and Trevor used to say to us often, "Are you two rehearsing? Are you two writing this week?" Went, yeah, John's coming down, and he used to say, "Have you got a song?" He used to phone me up and he goes, "Did you write a song?" <laughs> and I used to go, uh, "We kind of got one, we got a good idea," and he used to sort of say, "Well, we need another, you know, three watersheds. We need another two. Do you believe in me?" And he was like, "You're quite driven." <laughs> You know, and, and, and it puts under a bit of pressure, but I suppose you need someone like that. Yeah, indeed. I must actually ask you about the name. Um, there's an Australian band uh, called The Laurels now. They're also a four-piece. Um, but uh, how did you come up with the name, Mark? There was a there was just a building in uh, Sheldon, 
and he had the laurels on the side. I think that was it, wasn't it, John? I think that's what that's what I remember. Yeah. Yeah, that was it. And I said, oh, and 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 I, and I said, how about the laurels as a name? And 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 sort of John went, oh, that's interesting because John was like, you know, he was he was getting the meaning of the word. He went laurels, you know, resting on your laurels and the laurels are the evergreen shrub, whatever it is, and it was a sign of victory or something on a Roman. It is. So, and it had two L's in, <laughs> which was like our go-betweens thing. <laughs> yeah. If you don't know, yeah, if you don't know, all go-betweens albums have a double L in some way or other. Happy, that was a happy coincidence, I think. It was, it was a classic, the, wasn't it, John? We wanted a, yeah. the. So I, I think we were quite, quite traditional in those respects. I, th- I think it's time we heard, a, heard a, our first track, actually, which has been rescued from the old tape. Um, I'm not sure how many times it was copied before it reached me, but this one's called Do You Believe In Me? Do You Believe In Me, the first track Mark and John have chosen to play for us. Now, earlier you talked about how that track was arranged, but lyrically it seems to be the tale of someone on a a French exchange from Brittany, John. Well, there's a key name mentioned, which is a girl called Jackie Kane, who was uh, was a real person, who Irene vividly came to see us at the Hare and Hounds, and the very first time we played that song, and we dedicated it. To Jackie. 
<laughs> I remember what happened. Um, and uh, I elaborated quite a lot on um, uh, and romanticised a particular um, encounter out of someone that Jackie Game introduced me to. Oh, right, okay. what I remember. But it's greatly, greatly romanticised into that. <laughs> More a fantasy of what I'd like to have happened probably okay. than, than reality. And um, you, you mentioned sort of, um, Tim, previously about uh, uh, a big Prince influence on the track as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, this might sound really surprising because, you know, if you listen back to the song now, you say, well, what's that got to do with Prince? But we all really liked Prince, and we uh, famously all went on a band outing to go and see Prince at the NEC. Yeah, um, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, but the lyrics to um, Do You Believe In Me are really quite strongly based on um, I Could Never Take Place of Your Man from Sign of the Times. Yeah, yeah. You know, it starts with in a bar in a, at a particular time, and yeah. there's then that phrase about am I qualified and things like that. There's all these little nods, in other words, to uh, to to Prince. I don't know if Mark realised that at the time or whether yeah, that, I do. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got the uh, am I qualified? I thought, oh, no, no, he's nicked that from Prince, but he's done it in such an obscure way. It's brilliant. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> that shows you, you know, that um, we did like a hell of a lot of diverse stuff. Prince is a great songwriter, and I think that's what we liked. What do you remember about recording it, Mark? Very little, to be honest. Um, <laughs> remember, I had to remember the chord chord progression. <laughs> Dan said, "There's an F in it. There's an F in it." <laughs> you sure there's an F in it? Yeah, yeah, there's an F in it. And, uh, okay, so okay, I've got to remember the F, yeah. uh, and um, and just put the rhythm down and I think so we just did it live and then we'd, yeah. we'd lose the rhythm a bit because uh, Finton and Trevor hold it down with the with the with the, with the back beat and the, the rhythm section so me and John could could meander a little bit if you know what I mean and uh, you could fix that in the mix and then afterwards when we heard it we thought that's great it sounds really poppy and we, we didn't do any overdubs on the vocals or harmonies or anything we didn't overcook it because we wanted to try and do it as it sounded live sort of thing it did so, used to go down well live didn't it oh yeah oh god it, I'll tell you that song I, I, I have two memories of D believe in me and John won't remember this but we rehearsed it once at, um, where was it where the mailbox is now and uh, oh, the, it, and it was like a summer it was like the weather was lovely like today and um, the door, our door was open and Steve Craddock came in he went that's a quick killer song Oh, right. Very interesting. And it was Steve Craddock, and he was in The Boys at the time. But John wouldn't remember that because I was like, the I boys, know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he was in a band called The Boys, and, you know, before he was, you know, Ocean Colour singing and all that. And he, he, I think he was checking out John's riff, and, you know, because the riff was strong. And also, another thing, we, we played with a band called The Raw Herbs from London, whatever. Yep. And they were a great band, and we we got the support at the, at the um, Sinatra's. And. Uh, they they wanted the song. They said, "Oh, that song that you've got, that believe you me, can can we uh, can we record that song?" And we was like, "Have you got a management or anything?" I was like, "No, <laughs> you know, we haven't got management." And they said, "Well, we've got a manager." They was really serious, and they were serious about. Hey, I think they want to record our song, John. And we was like, and John was like, "No, they're not. They're not having our song." Sodom. Oh, God, it's a great sort of great story, really. Yeah, fabulous. Yeah, that. yeah. Do you remember that, John? I don't know. Well, you would. That's see, that's the difference. We play these gigs, and you would like hang around afterwards and make, and talk with the other bands and that. And yeah, I don't always yeah, want to get home. So that, that, that track that was recorded at a studio in five ways. Did you say? I I think Mark and I um, might. Our memories might depart here. I think it was recorded at a, a studio in five ways. Right. But Mark thinks it might be Bob Lambs. Well, I know we did about five songs at Bob Lambs, I think, and, and, and we did quite a lot there. And I think we, we didn't we didn't keep them all. It was just because he, he said to us, how many songs are you doing? We went six or seven. He went, what? <laughs> you only got three hours. Four hours. He went, oh, we'll be fine. We'll just do them live. And he was like looking at us as if to say, these guys 
they obviously don't know what they're doing. But but I think it was that Bob Lambs, but you might be right. Do you believe me? Might be somewhere else. Does does Outlaw ring a bell, Mark? Yeah, that was a studio in Five Ways, wasn't it? But um, yeah, yeah, it does. It does ring a bell. Yeah, yeah, uh, and I just think it was. I just got this memory, which might be completely wrong, of course, that it was a studio that mainly did kind of radio ads and things, oh, and wasn't yeah, really. Yeah. It didn't really do bands. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I don't know how we ended up there, but actually, I remember the sound being really good, and it was. Yeah, yeah. The, we did a few demos, but I think that was probably the best sounding one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whatever reason. That's the thing about remembering things from thirty years ago. It doesn't, it doesn't, well, uh, your memory, you know, mixes things yeah. up from different yeah. years. Now, you, you you mentioned Sinatra's there, Mark. Um, uh, yeah. What gigs stand out? What are, what are the gigs stand out as being memorable for you? Well, the, the Sinatra's gigs were always good because there's always a few people there, you know, and and uh, there was into the same music. So I think we supported Raw Herbs there and James Dean Driving Experience. John, remember that? Okay, yeah. Completely yeah, forgotten that. yeah, and and I think we played with Liz Jane once. Yeah, so I think we did the free there, but yeah. we was always disappointed that we never got the gig with the servants there because we was told by the promoter that uh, yeah, you'll get the servants gig because he had our demo and he went yeah, I can hear the similarities that kind of music. So we was like wow, we're gonna play with the servants, that'd be good, John. And they never, I think he said to us yeah, they're, they're um they're gonna be touring uh, and and they'll. They're going to be playing here, but we haven't got a date yet. And it didn't happen. Yeah. I think they sort of they got a management deal or something, and I was like, probably got too big for Sinatra's or something. There, were, there weren't like many venues, were there? And so you did end up playing the same ones again and again. So yeah. I don't know how many times you played the Hair and Hounds in one way or another, and or Sinatra's or yeah. the Barrel Organ or, you know, and then, and then there's, there'd always be weird ones as well, like that one you said that it was in a wine bar. Yeah, Kaleidoscope, I think you said you played as well. Before. Oh, yeah, we played that. And it was like, Kaleidoscope was just like, you know, it was just nobody was really into that music. They were just into chart stuff. And we was like, yeah, what yeah. are we doing here? <laughs> We're going to die here. And, I'm just cool. and it was just a, just a massive pub. It is, it is funny when you ask the, you know, about um, what gigs you remember. I remember yeah. the ones where we died. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. I the ones that were successful. Yeah, the pain. The it's pain. like remembering your bad reviews, you know. <laughs> and you mentioned to me before the interview about playing a pub in Borsal Heath, I think, which uh, could have been the, the old Coach and Horses. I think oh, you might have oh, I do remember that. Yeah, yeah, I do. Wow, yeah. <laughs> it was, it was. I think it was sort of smack in the middle of the red light district, and in the eighties, that was like a pretty big deal, you know. <laughs> no, it, it's been so long ago. I can't really remember what you looked like on stage, but uh, I saw a post again. I mentioned the the Birmingham Music Archive Facebook page, Marvis. That's where I uh, discovered you again. Um, but they said that the the singer looked like um, Tom Verlaine and uh, also played a Fender Jaguar. Was image important, John? I was far better looking than Tom Verlaine. So I take I take great offence at that team. <laughs> I do have photographs of us. And as you'd see from them, we're a very handsome band. Extremely good. But I did I did have a jag. I did have a fender jag. Can you remember how you went about shaping an image though, uh, Mark? Well, uh, we was, um, let me see, image-wise, we, I think we had this sort of suede jacket thing going on. We sort of, yeah. we both had these sort of cool suede jackets. They were yeah, quite yeah. good. And John used to sort of dress a little bit differently. I would wear a suit. Yeah, I'd wear a suit. I'd wear a suit. And, I and a tie. I'd wear a tie. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. So I was concerned to make an impression of it. Yeah, indeed. It, it was a weird time, though, I mean, because it was the 80s and there was a lot of yeah. fashions were crazy. We had Duran Duran from the city and there was like every, you know, got that thing going on with sort of molly haircuts and things. And then you've got the, uh, you've got Echo and the Bunny Men and bands like that. Who, me and John were quite into Echo and the Bunny Men as well, image wise. Mark, would you agree? I would say that we probably. Looked a bit different from our rhythm section. 
I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah definitely. So, Finton was on the YouTube. He was just, you know, he, I mean, what I love YouTube at the time. We, we like the early YouTube stuff, me and Finton did. And then, yeah, yeah. Finton was doing the full Bono mullet then. <laughs> And it was blonde as well. <laughs> okay. Blonde <laughs> so, yeah. highlights with a mullet. Yeah, it's a classic. Yeah, 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 yeah. We've so, all been there. We've all been there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, then, and Trevor used to sort of, I mean, he used to have his hair some weird stuff because he, he, had, he had the dreads for a bit. Then he used to do mad stuff like Beardy's hair and stuff. So he, oh, was right. doing his own, he was doing his own thing, Trev. Yeah, your question, Dean, kind of implied that we maybe gave it some thought. Yeah. And yeah. I don't think we did. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Despite the mullet, uh, yeah. Clinton was a good-looking guy, wasn't he? And we always yeah. used to laugh that we'd, we'd stick the drums at the front of the stage and it'd catch the eye of <laughs> people in the audience. <laughs> yeah. He was much yeah, better yeah. looking than any of us. So. Yeah, we used to get him down the front, Finton. Now, as we discussed earlier, um, uh, like many bands you're influenced by, uh, particularly the go-betweens, uh, you, you both wrote and sang your own songs within the lineup. So uh, we'll, we'll hear our second track now, uh, and this is The Sound of Rain, which features Mark on vocals. <laughs> The Sound of Rain by the Laurels. Um, what do you remember about how that one came about, Mark? I need the title for a start. Oh, right. I, okay. think, um, I think the go-betweens had a title called The Sound of Rain. I never heard the song. I never heard the song. I think it was a real early one. So yeah. it was just for that would go with the chorus and that was it. And it was a, I think that was more of a sort of influence. Like we was listening to R.E.M. as well. Yeah, yeah. 
And we sort of had that kind of, that sort of early REM sort of sound, which we, me and John loved as well. I think that song as well is, um, Finton had a lot of input into that one. And it's quite an unusual song for us at that time. In uh, um, And maybe White doesn't necessarily sound like some of the others. Yeah. Because I think the main riff is, was Finton's. And I might have kind of added to or changed it slightly. But certainly that was, um, that was a, a genuine band composition, I think, that one. And, and you came up with the lyrics, did you, so that one, Mark? Yeah, I think I, I, I kind of wrote the words very quickly. I think it was more of a, you know, I've got these lyrics, and John went, those, those are not bad, Mark, those are not bad. I used to start putting through John, because that wasn't my strength then. Sitting down writing lyrics to me was like, I didn't have the patience or the, the, the um, I was into more melodies of humming and tunes and stuff, and I could do that more naturally you know so I just thought well, I'm going to go to what I do naturally John can write loads of lyrics I mean, I could, we can just use John's lyrics they're much better than mine <laughs> <laughs> so so we can we can work them out that way but you know it, it worked really well that way we, did, we didn't feel, feel the need to change it you know although I thought at some point I'm going to have to write some lyrics <laughs> I was sort of listening to John's lyrics to sort of get inspiration lyrically um, yeah yeah, yeah. To, just to just to bring me on as a lyricist, you know, try and write lyrics. Um, That's news to me, Mark. Yeah, some of these words are great, John, you know what I mean? Because um, I, I, I like the way you had a little bit of humour in there as well with the Robert yeah. Foster sort of, you know. I, I thought, always wanted, I always tried to put a joke in. Yeah, yeah. It might not be a very good joke, but I always tried to put a joke in somewhere. It was all a bit tongue-in-cheek. Yeah, in, in weird in hindsight, listening to him, you, you can hear the sort of me, me more kind of Grant, Grant, because Grant was Grant was more of a melody man, wasn't he? In the Go Between, yeah. his melodies were great, but Robert's melodies are great as well. But his lyrics are a, a bit more kind of um, what I'm saying, a bit more quirky. You know what I mean? And uh, and this one features backing vocals as well, doesn't it? There was something I probably um, harmony vocals. We never really. Um, did well. I think that's probably yeah. something to do with the equipment we had or lack of. And, yeah, it was always um, difficult to hear yourself, wasn't it? So it's always difficult to hear yourself. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I think that I wish we'd probably done a bit more of that. Actually. Yeah, yeah. We should have really something we never worked on that hard for some reason. Do you remember record much about recording that track at all? No, I have virtually no. Whatsoever, I know it's got a, a, a strange guitar break in it, which to me sounds like I'd been listening to James. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah I can hear that James <laughs> guitar solo. Yeah, that was another band that was. We take a little bit of James. Oh yeah, I've got, yeah what's that James song you can play? Stick that in the sound of rain. <laughs> I do remember as well. You had to get the. Um, the say so really of others in the band. Yeah. I.e. if they didn't like the song, they wouldn't play it. You know, you could try and make them, but they wouldn't do it. So I, I remember coming up I remember really wanting to do a song in, in like three, four time. I could not get they would not do it. They would not want want to do. So, you know, to a certain extent there was everything was a kind of group decision, I suppose. Yeah, uh, Trevor was good at the. Um, he was like the sort of, um, you know, is it a good enough song sort of thing? Uh, we'd do a song and he would play it, rehearse it, and then he'd listen to it and he'd go, he'd say next week, are we doing that song? That's a really good song. Have you, you know, and we kind of let Trevor do that to a point because he used to listen, he used to be listening out to say how good the songs were, if they was good enough and whatever. And. Um, what? I think you don't always know yourself, do you? No. You can't tell. I mean, that song that you've done on the, the we did on the demo, was it Returning Home? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Now, with that song, when we did that in the bedroom, you were sort of, hmm, it's not as good as the others. And I was like, I think it's got something though, John. It's got some nice parts in it. And then when we did it with the band, it, wow, this is great. You know what I mean? Brought it to life, yeah. 
Yeah, it, it, it worked better. Um, so it, it gave John more confidence because the band, you know, the band, it, it sounded as a band collective, and and that's how it worked really. You know, we, we'd have a good, we'd have the foundations of the song on the the two of us in the room, and then when we took it to the band, we seen what what happened. That's an interesting song. That I don't, I barely remembered it at all mm. until I until you play, until I heard the demo again. That, to be honest, John, that was the most uh, surprising one, really. Yeah. Because I thought, oh, Jesus, this isn't, uh, you know, this is a pretty cool song. I like it. I'd, I'd completely forgotten about that song. That was quite poppy, really. It is, yeah. Got bar bars in it, hasn't it? into the Beach Boys at the time as well. I was. True. You know, so you could hear, you know, and that's how the, the quirkiness, they're like, you know, this is our Beach Boys song and people are like, look, this doesn't sound like the Beach Boys, but in our minds. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's not, there's not a lot of beach in Birmingham, so I don't know. True, true. yeah. <laughs> or <Yeah>. sun. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, I mean, obviously we can't remember, um, we can't quite establish where it was recorded, but I mean, can you remember having any conversations with um, producers of, of tracks about how you, you know, having that conversation about how you wanted to sort of things to sound? I don't know about you, Mark. I, my memory is that it was just, we would just, in terms of demos, we would just record live. So it would be as, basically as close to what we sounded like live yeah. as we could get. Because, I mean, there's no overdubs or anything. No, we didn't, we didn't, um, you, you know, if we had anything, timing issues or anything, it used to, to fix it in the mix because the, the drums and the bass was sort of on a par and then drop drop the guitar in again, play that again. And that was, I think we did a few overdubs and play the rhythm guitar again and and you'd do, do that vocal line again. But most of it was live with a little yeah. bit, I think we did a couple of overdubs, but that was very quick because we just, we just wanted them quick, done quick really. Because we, we were just wanting them to get them for gigs and we wanted someone to say, look, we've recorded something. Well, I was going to ask you about this actually, because obviously um, a lot of bands at the time would have been recording demos to send out to record companies and things like that. But I mean, not all bands sort of set out. It's, it's not about necessarily getting a record deal, is it? I mean, um, you know, what were your ambitions, shall we say, um, you know, for the band, John? I think I would have liked, ideally, I always wanted us to record an album and I think we had an album's worth of good material. But I yeah. don't think... I don't think we had the kind of um, necessary drive. Maybe right. We wanted. We made. We worked hard on the songs. And we tried to make the songs as good as we could. But for whatever reason, I don't think we ever pursued like a record deal or anything like that. And I don't know whether that was just down to what we're just like as people, Mark. Yeah, I agree. I think at the time we was quite. We we was just enjoying our lives, fun, socialising, and and. Yeah. and Oh, we're in a band and it's a, it's good fun and you know if we if we make some good songs we're happy. But we did we did say it'd be great, wouldn't it be great to do an album job with these if we got when we started writing a couple of good songs like the Watersheds and Believe in Me's and stuff and and uh, Hidden Kind. We thought you know if we could get eleven of those, it'd be great yeah. to have an album because uh, it's it'd be a pretty good album. I think we always wanted to try and do a session, you know, uh, a John Peel session or a, you know Janice Long session. I didn't think of it as career. We all work, but I just worked just to make money, just to yeah. enjoy it the weekend when we could go out and play. Yeah, yeah. I mean, did you have any reviews at all or anything like that? I think we did have a couple of reviews in um, in Brumby. I don't think that was great and I don't think that was bad. It was just like, uh, I think there might have been a reference to indie, jangly, sort of 60s, hybrid kind of... Yeah. 
pop sort of thing. Um, and that was about it, I think. It was just like um, a couple of those reviews. There were so many different sounding bands in Birmingham at that time, weren't there? I always thought Birmingham was like that. There's never been a scene that everybody, you know, it's always been fragmented and um, everybody, there's more originality in that respect. I was like in Manchester, you've got the Manchester sound, haven't you? And all that kind of thing. And there's like another, you know, 20 bands like Stone Roses. Strangely, because it's more fragmented like that, it was actually more difficult to stand out. Which yeah. is, you know, might seem counterintuitive, but um, it meant that it was quite difficult to get um, any sense of momentum. Yeah, uh, and it meant that, for instance, because it meant that you were playing with people who sounded way, way different from you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, which is yeah. which is odd, really. I mean, in a way, I would say, for instance, that um, maybe Finton and Trevor didn't really like the same kind of music we did. Nah. No, they didn't. They didn't. But they liked our music. If you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's a yeah. weird thing. They weren't. You know, they weren't into the go-betweens really, like we were, and felt and stuff like that. But um, you know, Finton loved his U two, and you know, he liked REM, um, and Trevor liked some, you know, stuff like you know, stuff I hated. You know, like Level Forty Two and stuff like that. I was like, what the hell's that? You know. Yeah. But. When we played in the Laurels, we all loved the Laurels. We all liked our songs, so that was that's all that mattered. You know what I mean? And that wouldn't happen in a lot of bands. You know, it was like, oh no, you're not if you're not into the same music and you know, same sort of clothes. It's not a band. But that wasn't the important thing. Is the important thing with us was we was mates, respected each other's music, and and then and and um, we just do we like the the Laurels music? We make the music. They say we like the music that we're doing. It's making us smile. Yeah. And that's it. That was it. Really good point to make. Really good point to make. Uh, okay, I think it's time to hear the final track you've chosen uh, today, which uh, again recorded possibly at Bob Lambs, possibly at that studio in five ways. This one's called Watershed. <laughs> Oh, wow. 
So that was Watershed by the Laurels, and uh, one you wrote the lyrics for, John. Uh, what do you remember about that process? Nothing. Not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Again, su- yeah. surprisingly, um, because I know you like it, Dean. You've said some incredibly nice and flattering things about it. But much like Returning Home, I didn't really remember it. It sounds to me like there's a, a bit of bit of a nod to Paul Simon, but I oh, yeah. might be hearing it wrong. Fifty ways you've found to absolutely to no, that's right, that's right. You see, the, the, that's the kind of sphere we obviously imagined ourselves in. Paul Simon, <laughs> Bob Dylan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah we ain't I, we ain't we, I. We, you know, some people were thinking I want to be like I don't know some some indie band. No, we were Don't thinking. Scream. Everybody wanted to be Palmer Scream and that, didn't they? Yeah, and we were, we were thinking that. We want to be Lennon McCartney. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it sounds quite introspective lyrically, John. I mean, is, is, is it autobiographical at all? Or? I don't think it is, actually. I think that's quite a late song for yeah. us. I don't think it's one of the earlier ones. I think it's quite a late one. And because it sounds... Obviously, uses relatively, relatively sophisticated. Yeah. In that it's using some slightly flattier chords than we traditionally used. Yeah. It's got some major and minor sevenths and things like that. Yeah. And the way it's structured as well is um, is unusual. Key change in it, for instance, ends on a guitar break. All of that's kind of quite unusual. So it sounds like a a later song. That's what I loved about that song. It was it was it wasn't uh, you know verse chorus verse chorus you know or uh, bridge. It was you know put the solo at the end and then fade it out and then have the key change in it. I don't think we 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 sort of had it as a key change. I mean that was Trev's. We we kind of shifted the vocal up and Trev being a good musician, he goes, oh, the key changes, obviously it goes to D, B minor, and we go, oh, okay. I think actually it's a song that, um, if it's about anything, is about um, change, really, just moving from one thing to another and um, things drifting apart. And whether, I don't know, I mean, I might be putting this, retrospectively onto it but um, I think maybe that's what it was about the band in some respects in that respect I have to say as well that that intro which I think is great actually um, is entirely Trevor and Vinton I think when we had it John we had it when we sort of did the song we broke it down to acoustic it was kind of space there and then when when we showed the band it and Trevor had that holding on the, the D boom 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 whatever and the, the drums, I thought, that sounds great. Trevor and Finton were great at that. They was great at, you know, embellishing things, you know what I mean? Making them sound more fast. Yeah. And that was great. And I remember that solo, John, I think, at the end of it, you did it. And I said, yeah, just play that solo. It just sounds great. Just keep playing it and go around again. I encouraged you to do that. And you was like, oh, that could, you know, a bit self-indulgent. You went, no, nah, no, nah, just do it again. We didn't, we didn't really do guitar solos. No, that wasn't that wasn't a thing we did really. No. I mean, I do like great solo players, but I like those kind of guys that um, play the song. Yeah, yeah. Play in a way that enhances the song. You know, like the Robbie Robertsons and yeah, all yeah, those kinds of great gospel influence players, like Curtis Mayfield and Bobby Womack, who just play in and out a bit and yeah. just play in ways to enhance the song. Not, nothing flashing, no solos or anything. Now, you mentioned something about a key change in the middle of that song. Was that Did that come from anywhere? Was that inspired by any anything you heard? Or I, I think, I mean, I think it was probably Trevor's idea, as Mark said. But I think it's also, you know, that idea that's in the song. It's actually what the song's about, Jane. Yeah. So I think that it starts in one place and ends in another. I yeah. think that's just what the song's about. Yeah, a bit sort of um, Scott Walker as well. You mentioned you mentioned previously. Oh well, I think the middle eight probably was um, yeah. um, was taken from or some kind of you know out of me listening to Scott Walker. I think. Um, doesn't sound anything like that though. No. None of these things sound like like yeah. the Prince thing. None of these things sound like where we took them from. 
partly because uh, they're heavily disguised, partly because I, we just didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's true. It was, it was like I remember we used to be into felt as well. Do you remember? Yeah. And we used to, and I and used to say, uh, I'll knit this from um, a felt song. And you used to go, it sounds nothing like the felt song. And you went, well, that's good. <laughs> that's a good thing then. <laughs> Nobody will know then. <laughs> that's giving away the key secret to all of our songwriting, no, Mark. Yeah, but a, a lot of bands do that, you know. I was reading interviews that, you know, you, you, you hear bands of them, Peter Hook, George Vision, he said, oh, we need that song from Hot Chocolate. And I was like, what? <laughs> You know, yeah. it's not, it's not nothing like the hot chocolate song, but yeah. you know, it's the way you hear yeah. things, and it, and it's, it's a weird thing, songwriting, and and then you can get, you can get people, people who just blatantly rip off stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, which me, me and John didn't want to do that because we, yeah. you know, if we did it, we we just knew that somebody would say you've knit that from the Beatles, <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah, there's no one you can't, you have to admit it then. One other question I was going to ask because in the early days you had some you had some keyboards on an early demo, didn't you? And I was wondering well, whether any any of these tracks you, you perhaps envisaged that you might sort of have, uh, you know, other types of you know things like strings or, or, or other sort of instruments on them. Um, I think to go back to what I said earlier, I'd like listening to um, things like "Do You Believe in Me" and "Watershed" again that. They should have had harmony records on. Yeah, and um, obviously, I'd have loved strings because, <laughs> because as I said, we're hugely ambitious. <laughs> we wanted yeah. to. We saw ourselves as Paul Simon and Bob Dylan. <laughs> We'd have had a full orchestra. <laughs> yeah, well, we liked. Um, we loved it when the uh, Go Betweens introduced the, uh, you know, the, the violin and the oboe. Didn't remember that? Oh yeah. And uh, I can't remember her name, and and um, and they just, Amanda. yeah, yeah, she was great, and they, uh, she just just made the song sound a lot better. Now we've heard all three tracks you've chosen to play. Uh, what's your feeling listening back to them now? Strange, but enjoyable, better than I thought they'd be. I really, I do love what Vincent and Trevor did on them. They sound great. You hear the mistakes and you know, there's odd lyrics and things that make you cringe. But, yep. um, you know, it's, I think they're okay, actually. Mark? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think Dean's done something with the, um, like I remember Watershed being um, slower and, and dragging a little bit. Um, but it seems to be punchy, you know what I mean? It sounds great to me. I, if I heard it on the radio, I'd, I'd be like, wow, this is a good song. Look at these. You know what I mean? So I think they've aged quite well. Thinking about the three songs that we've listened to today, yeah. I think they were all written in different ways. Yeah. And maybe that's – and I think we. it was always important that the song was different. We did. We weren't just repeating ourselves and doing the same thing again. Yeah, interesting, interesting. Yeah. I mean, now, now, sadly, the band broke up uh, in the early 1990s. So soon after, um, Mark, you, you sort of started another project with, with, with Trevor Walsh, didn't you? Uh, the Virtues. Yeah, Trevor was going to touch with me. Oh, yeah, I've got some songs here. Yeah. And we did The Virtues. And, and Finton joined us for a bit. Mm. Finton was in it for a bit. He played guitar for a bit. Um, he come off the drums. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, he was more of sort of a rock and roll kind of a... Uh, you know, Rolling Stones um, sort of bit of faces and, you know, that kind of bit of maybe bit of Primal Scream, maybe, I don't know. But it was more that kind of a sound. And, uh, yeah, it was a, it was it was good fun. We, we, you know, did some good good recordings, got some good gigs and stuff. And um, and it was along that. But I used to always miss John because he was – I didn't have a pal, like, to write with, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Again, it was a band collective, but it was like – I'll just take the songs with the acoustic guitar to them, you know, yeah. and and then we'd bang it out. But you, you did you did sort of, kind of work on music again together, though, didn't you? Around about 2014, 15, uh, you you got together uh, another project and recorded a few tracks. I pretty much hadn't done anything since um, the Laurels, really. We got together about about five or six years ago and wrote a couple of things together, which were the first things I'd written for a long time. And um, 
I thought they were good songs. Yeah, I think it was obviously, obviously learnt and got better at stuff as you do and get older. And um, you know, you learn to, you learn your keys, don't you? Where you're comfortable singing, and you don't do that when you're young. You just like uh, you, you write it in one key, and then you stick to it. You don't. I'll try an F or try and C, which you do when you're older. You're like, oh, hang on, sounds better at this key. <laughs> you, know. <laughs> you know, it's simple things like that. Um, and then you just, I think you just get more, you know, more idea of a, the structure of songs, although it's great when you're young because it's it's more organic. I think we just got, we, we would be, be better as writers now because we'd be more like, we got more time as well. You're not under pressure. We always thought, oh, we got to write a song because Trevor's going to like, we got any, what have you been doing all weekend messing around? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, we've got, when you've got nothing to prove, it's, it's, you just, it's more natural, isn't it? You know what I mean? You're not, you're not up against the clock. You just, oh, I've got this yeah. song. What do you think? Yeah. Well, I mean, let's hear a track from the, from those sessions. This is called uh, Falling Away. Falling Away uh, by Mark and John from the Laurels and also featured Jack Moss on uh, Cajon. Yeah, he'd never heard the song before and that he's his first time playing it. Yeah, yeah. And miraculously, there's a, there's a, a stop in it which he actually gets hang on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> very, very different in style to your earlier work though, isn't it? Yes and no, I think. Again, it's, it was just trying to write his tongue. And yeah. actually written probably more or less in the way that we did, you know, back when um, I used to get on the number 11 bus and go yeah, to Yardley. 
but it was the same sort of structure, isn't it, John? Melody yeah, and stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I think I wrote most of the words to that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, the, the, it's the same sort of thing, extracting the best from each, you know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, this is suit you singing this one, this is suit me singing this one. And that's, as I say, it's great to work with, to collaborate, to, yeah. to like share the, share the spoils in the songwriting. On a final note, and going back to the laurels, what what would you like to take away from your time in the band? Let's start with you, Mark. Obviously, meeting John and and being um, and, and still being in contact with him. Although that last few years, because of a lot of sort of family issues and stuff and and and, and elf kind of things we've had, uh, we've sort of lost a little bit of track. So it'd be great to get back on track with John and reestablish our lifelong friendship because good pal of mine and we, we shared a lot of moments and stuff and that's mainly it and always look at things in a positive light you know yeah. we, we, you know love music and we've written some songs together and that's all we want to do really it's like I think if you can just do that it's good fun and that's the best thing I take away from it absolutely I, well, yeah. that's what I'd say as well exactly you know I've known Mark well over 30 years now. I think I was yeah. like 16 or 17 when I first met Mark Good two, good two thirds of my life, you know. Thanks to Dean, really, for like actually making us get in touch again. I really appreciate that, and and it's really good. It's really nice of you to um, dig those tongues out and mm. for us to get to talk about those times. Yeah, because yeah. they were great yeah. fun. And you asked yeah. me what I'd remember from them, and I would say that it was just fun. Yeah, yeah, and, definitely. Uh, had lots of good times. That's a lovely way to bring things to a, to a close, really, actually. So, um, John, Mark, uh, many thanks. You've been great guests. Uh, thanks for sharing your stories and uh, allowing the tracks to be heard again. So one final thing to say, really, long live the music of the Laurels. Absolutely. Definitely. <laughs> Cheers, Dean. When the Night Comes was written and produced by me, Dean Burnells. If you've enjoyed the music in this episode or we're in a Birmingham band and would like to share your story, then get in touch at wtncpodcast at mail.com. That's wtncpodcast at mail.com. Thanks for listening.